Thank you, Jared. It made me cry over there. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk today, and I realize that not everybody here has, um, you know, kids, or maybe you're maybe you're just living with a roommate. I don't know. Um, but we're going to talk today about family, but we're going to talk about it in a way that it's just your home. So it's going to apply to everybody, okay? <clears throat> um, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to First Peter. Second Peter. I've corrected myself already. That didn't take long, did it? <laughs> Second Peter chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to read through several very familiar verses. Uh, so this week, uh, my brother, my little brother Neil, uh, went and did some research. And he looked into our family's past. And he found, uh, you know, all the way back to my great, 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 great grandfather. My family came to the United States in 1852. Um, yeah, Ursula and Andrew Wagner from Baden, Germany. They decided Germany's not the place for us. Uh, too many liberals coming from France, I think. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. My little brother did the history and figured out why were all these Germans coming to the U.S. And it was because there was a spread of liberalism that they didn't like. <laughs> So they got on a ship called the Admiral, and they sailed across the Atlantic, uh, landed on the East Coast, registered through immigration, and, and uh, their son, Jacob, was three years, three years old at the time. So uh, my great-great-great-great-grandparents were both in their 30s in Germany with a three-year-old son and decided to completely uproot their entire life. And I just thought to myself, wow, that is some kind of bravery. Like, who has the guts in their 30s with a three-year-old kid to say, you know what, let's go to a completely unfamiliar, unfamiliar land and see if we can hack it. And uh, they, were, they were successful. My great-great-great-grandfather Jacob, who was three years old at the time, uh, grew up and became a carpenter, married, uh, had two, a son and a daughter, there, he was apparently a good enough father for them to go on and be successful and have kids. And um, eventually comes my grandpa, Cletus, who, <laughs> name of our next son, Cletus. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then my dad, Keith, and then here I am, and my three brothers. And it just got me thinking, man, what, what about the fact that Everybody in America, unless you're full-blooded Native American, you have somebody like that in your past. You have somebody with that kind of guts in your family history. And I firmly believe that it's somewhere in you. Yeah? I firmly believe that it's somewhere in you. That kind of tenacity to be an immigrant, to set your family up, for generations of prosperity. That's in you. Do you want to be that? Because a lot of people say, yeah, that's in me, but it's just not necessary, so I'm just going to go through the daily grind, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to have a good time in life. I'm not going to worry about the next generations. Let them worry about them. But you have an opportunity, because 
where you're at right now in God, it's not the best place to be. <laughs> hey, I'm challenging myself here. I look at guys like Bill Johnson and Chris Valadin, and I say, wow, I want to immigrate to their land. <laughs> I, want to, I want to take my lineage to that place. So we have some moving to do, don't we? It's time to have some intestinal fortitude, as the Marines say. <laughs> How can we do that? Because everyone you live with right now, I mean, this is all just really cool things to think about. Very idealistic, like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to set the stage for all of our generations to come. That's great, Matt. How? <laughs> How exactly do we do that? I, you know what? <clears throat> I was on a plane on the way to Hawaii like two years ago to do some, some work out there, some film work. And on the plane, I said, you know what? I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to write a letter to my great-great-great-grandkids. And this is, and I didn't finish it. <laughs> I got to writing, and, and I'm like, okay, here's the, here's the plan. This, I'm going to put this in my will. And this is going to be in a sealed envelope, and no one can open it until my firstborn great-great-great-grandkid. And they can open it, and they can share it as they deem and I just wanted to express who I was. Like, this is my character. This is my personality. This is, this is my day-to-day -day life. What's life like in 2014? And uh, I got to writing, and I got about a page and a half in, and I realized, man, <laughs> I'm not a very interesting guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a serious gut check. It was a serious gut check because I was like, wow. I am not n even nearly maximizing my potential. God has put so much in me that I am leaving untouched because it's convenient. And I didn't finish the letter because I'm, man, I've, I'm like hoping, okay, I've got to turn this thing around. <laughs> this letter's got to, <laughs> I've got to do something better. I need to do something that I can put in this letter that I can make an impression. Uh, maybe, maybe that'll never happen. But if it doesn't, it's not going to be through lack of effort. Right? That's tenacity. Have a hundred-year vision for your family. And do what you can to make it happen before you die. Okay? So you have in your household, whether it's kids, whether it's a spouse, maybe your mom's living with you. I don't know. Maybe you're living with your mom. I don't know. But under your household, unless you're living by yourself, there are multiple destinies that are currently in progress. And they are they're vastly different. Right? My destiny in God isn't, isn't the same destiny as my wife's. We live together. We're going to be together till the day we die, but we have different things to do in Him. Does that make sense? So how can I walk my destiny in God day to day, going through the grind of whatever workplace I go to, 
And at the same time that I'm walking my destiny, how can I enhance her destiny? And enhance Nathaniel's destiny? And enhance Naomi's destiny? So that all four of us, who are on four completely different walks with God, all strengthen each other. How can we do Because if we can do that, and if we can do it the right way, it'll be something that lasts. We'll set the stage. Because Nathaniel and Naomi will learn how to grow up reaffirmed in their calling. And they will spread that to their children. It will be habitual. It will be automatic. Cultures, when you create a culture, they don't get destroyed easily. Yeah? You can set up thoughts and somebody else will change the thinking. You can set up beliefs and somebody else will convince otherwise. But if you set up a culture, it lasts. It's hard to tear down. And you know what? On the opposite side, it's, it's hard to build. <laughs> yeah? It's like the difference. I'm building a table right now. I'm getting into woodworking. And I chose to work with cedar because it's soft. <laughs> it's easy to work with. But you go get some hard wood, right? Some hardwood, some oak. That's a little harder, a little more challenging to work with because it's harder wood. Setting up a culture is hard, but you can do it. So we're going to read through First Peter, and we're going to explore the idea of setting up a, setting up a culture. Sorry, Second Peter, Second Peter. I, now I've corrected myself, and I've been corrected on the same exact thing. All right, we're going to start at verse number three, because one through two, is just, they're just introductions, and they're very important, but it's not what we're talking about today. So verse three, and I'm reading NIV. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Is that right? Are we all right there? Everybody's on the same page? If you've not opened your Bible, then at least open your Bible app. Through these, his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Excuse me, I had a bit of a hiccup. All right, we're just going to read through and then we're going to kind of come back and sort of expose everything. For this reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. I want you to think about that in a generational sense. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, and stop. Second Peter's awesome. I love Second Peter. 
But he has got some really, really long and confusing trains of thought <laughs> that you kind of got to like really try to digest. Wait, wait, wait. What, what exactly are you building here? Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to go all the way back to the beginning, to verse 3. And we're going to start over. And we're going to really take our time going through this time. And I want you to read this. It's very easy to read this and think about it from a, a Peter's given me some personal advice mindset. I want you to think about it from a mindset of Peter's telling me how I can operate my family for generational success, right? for a legacy, a legacy of prosperity for my family 100 years from now, a spiritual strength. How can I set up my kids now so that my grandkids pray for miracles? Let's think about it from that perspective, okay? All right. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. You have everything you need for your family to live a godly life. This whole first paragraph, all the way up to, you know, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, this whole paragraph basically boils down to one statement. It's not that hard. You have everything you have to live supernaturally. He has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. Who? Well, Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. God, Jesus, yeah, the one who called you. Through His own glory and goodness, He's given us promises. He's given you promises out of His glory. He's given you promises out of His goodness. Promises for an eternal life, yeah? yeah. Promises for a, pros a, a, a prospering life here on earth, for a healthy life. Promises of good relationships, healthy relationships, fun relationships. Out of His glory and out of His goodness, He's given you all these promises. Look, I promise I will do this for you. I promise. And it's through those promises that we participate in the divine nature. Everybody say divine nature. Divine. Everybody say superior reality. superior reality. Yeah, we have the natural world, and then we have the divine world, right? And we, it's very easy to participate in the natural world, right? We're all made of flesh and bone and a whole bunch of bacteria. <laughs> Seriously, go Google the human microbiome. It's fascinating. Okay. So we're in the natural world, but we want to participate in the divine nature. No problem. It's easy. All you have to do is be cognizant. Daily, walking through your life, remember his promises. Remember, yeah, I'm doing this job right now, but God has promised me the career that I dream of. Yeah, you know what? This relationship is strained right now. But God has promised me that I will have a loving relationship with those that I love. Yeah? Yeah, I'm stuck in, the, in, in time right now where I have to be tied to a schedule and I don't, want to, I don't get to do the things I want to do. Right? But God has promised me an eternal life where I can just spend eternity worshiping Him. So going through your daily grind on earth, 
remembering and thinking of and meditating on the promises of God, that's participating in a supernatural life. That's all it is, guys. If you can do that, you're a supernatural participant. It's not hard, is it? That's a little hard. I mean, our minds get distracted and stuff, but it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Now, there's another step, which is once you're participating in the divine nature, then pulling that divine nature into the natural nature, right? Now, that's a miraculous lifestyle. Now, that's hard for me because I don't really know how to do it. I won't teach you on it because I haven't gone there yet. I would just recommend go read a Bill Johnson book. He, like, lives there. Okay, now that's a miraculous lifestyle. But just if, you're, if you feel like, man, I can't do a supernatural lifestyle because every time I pray for somebody, they don't get healed. You know what? I understand. But at least participate in a supernatural lifestyle, right? So that's just for you. What about your family? Because that's what we're really talking about today, right? How can you help your family live a supernatural lifestyle, even as you're working toward a miraculous lifestyle, right? Let's keep reading. For this very reason, what reason? Well, because of the fact that it's so easy and you have everything you need to live and participate in the divine nature because of all that, go ahead and make every effort to add to your faith goodness and, and to your goodness knowledge and, and self-control and perseverance. And basically, Peter just goes on and builds an entire tower of virtue. It's like the leaning tower of virtue. It's got all these levels, and at the very bottom of it is just faith. Faith. And you add to your faith goodness. And this is what Jared has been preaching about for the last month or so. You know, we have justification through Jesus Christ, but then we have sanctification, which is, if you really believe, your lifestyle will reflect it. Yeah? Your faith is reflected not through the thoughts in your head. Yeah? Your faith is reflected not through the words in your mouth, though those are important, as are your thoughts, but your faith is reflected by how you act what you do, right? That's where your faith is reflected. I believe in this, therefore I act like this. You act like what you believe in. And if you're not acting like Jesus, that tells me you don't really believe in Jesus. I mean, I'm just trying to put it the way it makes sense. I mean... If I respect somebody, I generally try to let them sharpen me and influence me, right? <laughs> I, I texted Steve, like, uh, what was it, like two and a half months ago or something. I said, Steve, man, I Belinda and I really, really respect you and Vivian and the way you guys raise your kids and the way that you run your household. And I told him, I want you to know, I don't look at you as a friend. I look at you as an elder. I expect you to hold me accountable. When I respect somebody, I put myself in a position that they can influence and change me. So if I respect Jesus, 
I will add to my faith goodness. I will put myself in a position where Jesus can influence and change me because I respect him. Yeah? And then what do I do? Well, just follow along with Peter. I mean, he, he lays it all out, the whole tower. Add to your goodness knowledge, right? Once you've started, you know, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm starting to live like Jesus. I mean, I'm not all the way there, but I'm, I feel like I'm starting to be a better person, you know? I got my WWJD rubber wristband, and I'm, I'm doing all right. Okay, get in the Bible. Start learning. Start fortifying your, your, your thought life. Right? That's what the Bible does. That's what it does. Because if you fill up your mind with a whole bunch of Bible verses, where's the devil got room? Fortify your thought life. Add knowledge of God in there. And it will be like a fortress. And you'll be protected. Right? So then what do you do? Well, you add in self-control. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Right? So get in touch with the Holy Spirit. And, you, and you'll, you'll find yourself in better control of yourself. And it goes on and on and on. What, how can we do that for our family? That's fantastic for us personally. How do I do that for my great-great-grandkids? How do I set that up? Well, let's keep reading. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that is rampant these days, isn't it? Whoo, goodness. How many ineffective and unproductive unproductive Christians do you know? Wow, man. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, a lot of days I feel like that's me. <laughs> man, I believe in Jesus, but today I haven't effected anything. I haven't produced anything. How do I keep away from that? Well, by paying attention to those tower of virtues, right? If I'm paying attention to building upon this and building upon that and building upon that, I'm going to produce something. I'm going to effect something. If we create an atmosphere in our home where those words are spoken often, if we create an atmosphere where that mindset of building strength upon strength upon strength, virtue upon virtue upon virtue. And we make it a priority, something that we discuss, yeah, something that we work toward with our kids, something we work toward with our spouse. We let that tower of virtues become like our mantra. Then we create an atmosphere where the people we love will be effective and productive. And they will help us be effective and productive. Uh, we have uh, in our house, uh, in our living room, is a gift that Mandy actually gave us, Mandy and Jared, and it's just a big uh, glass thing with burlap. It's real crafty. I think she probably saw it on Pinterest. And we got home, and, and it was empty. It, it, needed, it needed something to be written on it. And my wife puts it on the wall, and she looks at it, and she pulls out her Bible, and she writes... For if anything is lovely, for if anything is, in this whole verse, I can't even remember all of them. It's like a whole list of all of these good things. If these things are good, then think on them. Think on these things. And it's, and it's written right there in our living room. 
And we had for a while, we ended up taking them, and we'll have to put them up somewhere else. But we had on our wall, I had two paintings where our wedding vows are literally printed and painted. Like I took paint and glued them onto the canvas with paint. And we put them on our walls. And one of them is just a kind of an artistic painting of the suit that I was wearing on our wedding day. And the other one's just kind of an artistic painting of, of her wedding dress. And one of them has our, our mutual vows before God. And the other one has our vows to each other. And it's printed right there. And we can read them. And it creates an atmosphere in our home. This is why the Bible says, look, put scripture up in your house. You create, a, you create an atmosphere where that tower of virtues reigns. And everybody looks at it and says, that's, that's what we're all about. And, and that creates effectiveness. That creates productivity, not just for you, but, but for those around you. It's creating a culture. You cannot create a culture in a day. It takes time. Takes time. It takes a lifetime. You won't get to taste the fruits of the culture you create. You'll do all the work. But your kids and grandkids will taste the fruits. Until do you know about that? You're an immigrant. You're the one doing the work so that others can prosper. Sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. But whoever does not have these, these qualities, this tower of virtues, whoever does not have them uh, is nearsighted. Whew. That's not kind of what we were talking about in the beginning where you just kind of only care about your own life and you don't really care about generations to come. That's called nearsightedness. You're not really thinking about legacy. That's nearsightedness. You're only thinking about what's near. You're not thinking about what's far down the road. Don't be nearsighted. Whoever doesn't have that tower of virtues is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from all their past sins. Think about, you know what? I told you about my family history, right? Ursula and Andrew and their son Jacob and then my grandpa Cletus, do you know that alcoholism was rampant? And I, I mean, throughout that family line. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of drunks. Well, they're from Germany. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my dad defeated that. Yeah, yeah. My dad, he 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 put those demons to rest, and he here's the deal. He continues to win that battle day in and day out. It, it wasn't a, I quit 20 years ago. He just quit and then he's done. No, it's a, I quit today. And then tomorrow, I'll quit again. And he goes through that every day. 20 years later, he still attends the AA meetings that pulled him out of that mess. And when people ask me, Matt, why don't you drink? Man, it has nothing to do with the Bible. It has everything to do with my dad. <laughs> it's a matter of honoring my mother and father. And I think that's a commandment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. 
I think it's one of the more important ones. It's a matter of honoring my dad. He defeated something. Why would I welcome it into my life? You have things in your life that your parents and grandparents defeated. Figure out what they were and make dang sure that you don't welcome them into your life. I don't, maybe it was alcoholism like, like my parents did, but maybe it was something else. You know what? I'm defeating things now that I will educate Nathaniel about. I will, I will educate him. Look, Nathaniel, my dad didn't, didn't beat that. He beat this, which is fantastic, but he didn't beat this. I worked hard to defeat this, and I want you to live in that victory. I'll educate him. If you do not have your tower of virtue set up, faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, all stacked up, all the way to love on top. You're going to be nearsighted. You're going to not think about future generations, and you're going to forget about all the victories of the past generations. Boy, that tower's important, isn't it? It's forward-looking and backward-looking. It's understanding that I'm a chain. I'm just a link in a chain. I don't want to be the weak link. Man, when you read this, when you read this, these 10, 12 verses, verses, think about your legacy. Think about your family history, your family future. All these virtues that Peter's talking about, they're fantastic for you, but they're even better for your grandkids and great-grandkids. If you can create a culture on these virtues, you will welcome a miraculous lifestyle for generations to come. You will set up a, an automatic supernatural lifestyle where people are constantly remembering the promises of God. And that's the first step into bringing miracles into this earth, is remembering the promises of God. Jesus promised, you will do greater things than I did. Guys, that's a promise. That's a promise. Remember it. All right, last verse, or last paragraph here. Therefore, and this is the one I really wanted to hit hard. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Make every effort. Man, you know, it, like it just builds this crazy chain of thought. Like, look, because it's so easy and you have everything you need to participate in the divine nature, go ahead and build up this tower of virtues because that's going to keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. And if you have them, you'll be able to look forward, you'll be able to look backwards. Therefore, because of all that, make sure about your calling. Make sure about your election. Let, let's talk about those two words. Calling and election. Uh, calling, the Greek word there is uh, klesis. 
Guys, it's an invitation. You know what a call is this? I got my phone here. This is an iPhone 5S or something another. I don't know. All right, I'm going to just look up a number here. Where am I at here? Uh, oh, Patterson's. There we go. I'll call it Patterson. There we go. Here's a calling and call. All right, here's a call. Hey, Kyle. Hey, what's up? Did I tell you I like your shirt? No, but yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. I did. I did. I told you that. It's a rainbow tree shirt. It's fantastical. It is. I like your shirt, Kyle. Thanks. Hey, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Is that not a call? That's a call. That's a phone call. (laughs) I've called you on my mobile. It's a phone call. I was I was in I dialed a number, and by dialing that number, I was inviting Kyle into a conversation with me. It's a call. God God has called you. Guys, we kind of misuse that word. Like we talk about my oh, it's my calling, and then we we use the word calling to talk about our current role in the body of Christ, right? Like, man, it's my calling to be a youth pastor. Are you still going to be a youth pastor when you're 65 years old? <laughs> that would be interesting. I'm not saying it's not possible. It's, of course it's possible. I just don't think it's probable. <laughs> You'll probably be the senior pastor at that age. <laughs> You'll be pastoring the same people, but there won't be youth anymore. <laughs> You have a calling that doesn't change. God called you by name. He said, Patrick. 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 Hey, Patrick. He called. Did Patrick answer? Yeah, you did, bro. You did. He called you, and it was one calling, and it stands forever. It doesn't go back. It doesn't change. He called you. That's it. Did you answer? Did you answer today? When Peter says, make sure of your calling, that's me taking a step back, blocking everybody out and saying, I definitely heard a voice. Was it God's voice? It was God's voice. Yep. Did he say my name? Yep. Yeah, God's voice said my name. God called me. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. God called me. The creator of the universe. The one who put together a plan to save everyone from sin. The one who executed the plan to perfection. The one who knows every secret of every person throughout history. Called me. Man, God called me. 
That's making your calling sure. It has nothing to do with being a youth pastor. That's an important role. Don't get me wrong. Every role that you play in your life is important, but it'll change. You'll play a role today, and then you'll play a different role down the road. In my career, I've played a role where I was the support guy. I was doing nothing more than walking papers around the building. And then I played a role where I was the support guy, and I was just creating artwork for somebody else to do something with. And now I'll play a role where, where I'm the guy who's creating the videos. But you know what? I'm looking forward to a role where I'm the guy who just leaves other people who create the videos. Yes. Yeah? Yes. It's different roles. But they're not my calling. The calling stays the same. What's an election? I mean, this is an easy one. Election is where you pick somebody to be a president, right? Or to be a mayor. I mean, it really is. The Greek word there is ekloge, ekloge, something like that. I called my little brother this morning to help me know how to pronounce these Greek words. I already forgot. <laughs> it's to be chosen to occupy a position of influence and authority. Yeah, make your election sure. Not, what, not the office you were elected to. That's not what Peter said. I, I think you should be sure about that too, Right? I mean, don't try to do something that you don't really know if you're supposed to be there. Yeah. But, but that's just not what Peter said, right? I think you should be sure about what role you're playing in the body. Look, don't, don't try to be a youth pastor if you're not sure that that's what God wants you to do. Right? Be sure about the role that you're playing, right? Be sure about the office you're occupying. I, I'm fine. I think that's important, but it's, just, it's not what Peter said. What Peter said was to make sure and confirm that you're called. Make sure and confirm that you've been chosen. Look, you've been handpicked. God looked out all over all creation. Every person in the world. He said, you know who what I really need right there? I need a Tim. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I need right there. I'm a yep, I pick I pick you. <laughs> I pick you. So how do we make sure of that? How do we make sure? That? It's stepping back again, isn't it? It's stepping back, blocking everybody out and saying, I'm on a team. I'm, I'm on a team. I was in a crowd. I, I didn't have a team. But then somebody picked me. Somebody pointed at me. They said, you, you're part of my team now. I've been chosen. I got picked. God picked me. It's not just a team. It's a family. It's a family. I've been chosen. Man, I was in the orphanage and he adopted me. Of all the other kids, he adopted me. God picked me. I'm sure of it. I know it. He called my name. He called my name. And then he picked me to be in his family. You could be sure of that. If you can be sure of that, then you can make those around you sure of it too. Yeah? And if you can make those around you sure about their calling, huh? sure about their election, 
then you can create a culture. So here's my advice to you. If you want to go that step further and have a hundred year vision for your family, you're going to have kids. It's going to happen if you don't have them already. You're going to have grandkids if you don't have them already. You're going to have great grandkids. Let's think about those. Let's think about those. My advice to you would be to make your calling and your election sure. Confirm it. Confirm it. Because as you're building this tower of virtues, yeah? Because the supernatural life has been easy for you, and so you start building this tower of virtues to maintain and fortify that supernatural lifestyle, you're going to want to have a foundation, to have a ground for it to build on. And that ground is the fact that God called you by name and picked you to come into his family. He handpicked you. It's so important that if you're going to create a legacy, if you're going to be the immigrant, you got to know that God called you. You got to know. We got back, I'm just going to take it back to the beginning. That immigrant, Ursula and Andrew Wagner, obeyed in Germany. It took some kind of guts, didn't it? Took some kind of guts. Do you have the guts to do something like that? I think you do. But I think you won't find it until you make your calling and your election sure. That's where you have the guts. It's in that realization, it's in that confirmation that you find the motivation to build up that tower of virtues to make it a daily commitment to remembering the promises of God. Yeah? All these things are great to talk about, but where does the strength come from? Where does the, where does the strength come from to do it every day? Because that's the only way to create a culture, right? To do it every day for the rest of your life. That's the only way to create a culture. You can't do it in a day, guys. You've got to be able to do it every day. Where does the strength come from? From confirming your calling. And confirming your election. That's where it all comes from. If you could do that. If you could just do that every day. Just take a moment. Back up. Say, wait a second. I'm called by the Most High God. And I'm handpicked to be a part of His family. If you can do that, then you could do everything else. If you could do that, you could set your great-grandkids up to do everything else. Jared and Kyle understand what it's like to be those great grandkids how easy is it for you man it's automatic I mean not to say that he doesn't have to work and he doesn't have to try I mean of course but it's part of his family culture I mean how many bible verses get thrown out whenever you guys are at Thanksgiving dinner together I mean it's just like Sermons upon sermons just in family conversation. They've, they've tasted the benefits of what their great-great-grandparents created. Great-great-grandparents created the culture. Now Jared and Kyle, man, they're ministers. It's just in their blood. What is it, fifth, five generations now? Yeah. Ha. Guys, there was an immigrant back there. 
Yeah? And you know what? These guys, they challenge themselves. They say, you know what? We're on the way. We're not there yet. Yeah, they look at guys like Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin as well. And they say, you know what? They're living in a land that we want to get to. Yeah? I, I think I've said enough. I think I've said enough. I think you guys all understand. Lead your family into a spiritual land of freedom and strength, power, miracles. And do it by making your calling and your election sure every day. Do it by remembering the promises of God, participating in the supernatural, and building up that tower of virtues. Put it on the walls in your home. Don't forget it. Let it constantly be on your lips. Talk to your kids about it. Talk to your spouse about it. God called you. This is another kind of call right here. I just sent a text. I had it pre-prepared. You want to check your phone. I sent a text, and it is Belinda and I's favorite band, Thrice, performing a Beatles song, I Want You. I want you so bad. <laughs> Driving me mad. <laughs> God has called you into intimacy. God says, I want you. I want you so bad. It's driving me mad. If you're a lady and you feel like the romance is lacking from your life, you look in the wrong direction. <laughs> if you're a man and you feel like people, have, you know, yeah, you're just lacking somebody being affectionate towards you, you're just looking the wrong direction. God wants you. He's called you into intimacy. He's going to make you feel loved. <laughs> I, want, I want to make you feel a little uncomfortable. I'm doing that on purpose. Okay? Because there's something about intimacy that is private. Right? If I talk about intimacy in a way that we're all comfortable with, you're not really getting the point. God wants to have some private time with you. He called you. He, he sent you that text message. Answer it. Right? Answer it. Go have some private time with God. Go see if He will make you feel loved. Go, go taste what kind of affection He's got for you. Mm. he'll make you sure alright guys let's all stand up and pray I'm going to pray and then I'm going to release you to pray. Father, this is just, this is just one sermon in one little day through a, a long period of time. 
but my hope, Lord, is that it impacts a much longer period of time than, than just this 30, 40 minutes that I've been talking. Um, but God, I don't have that power to, to create that influence. That's all in you. That's all in your hand and in your voice. So my request, Lord, is that you would take uh, these words that you've given me and that you would make them stick. That you would translate them to the heart language of every person in here. I can translate them and I can put it in the people's heads, but our heads tend to forget things, Lord. And I, re- I require you. I require your assistance. I can't do this alone, God. So I pray that you would take this and you would carve it uh, into the hearts of these people. Lord, that we, can, that we can create a culture in our world that is kingdom-based. God, I pray that we would have a greater influence uh, not just on our families through the culture we create in our homes uh, by protecting the destinies varied as they are of all the people around us. Uh, but I pray that we would have influence even beyond our homes. That we would take these same thoughts and that we would create a culture in our workplace. That we would create a culture where people walk in and feel called by God. Every time they just step foot into our little cubicle or desk space or whatever. I, I pray that as we speak with colleagues and coworkers and clients, that people will feel your calling because of the culture that we carry. Mm. And I pray, God, that we just wouldn't, <laughs> that we wouldn't underestimate the power uh, that you've given us through your promises, through this tower of virtues that Peter describes, the power you've given us by simply putting us in your family. Let us always remember, God, always remember the power behind us and just let it flow through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now look, I want you to pray. I don't want you to do that little mental exercise that I, that I did up here. And I want you to right now make your calling and make your election sure. Confirm them. Reaffirm them. Talk to God. Think about what He said in your life. Look, I know the things He said to me. It's not going to mean anything to you. But you know what He said to you. And I want you to rethink it in your mind. I want you to rethink that moment. And I want you to make sure, yes, yes, it's a fact. God called me. He picked me. All right? I'm going to give you a few minutes. Go ahead.
Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt he called you, didn't he? Yeah, ain't no doubt. It happened. It happened. All right, we have our space up here that we pray for salvation. If you, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a day-to-day relationship with him, you know, come on up. Let's pray about that. If you haven't just confessed, yeah, I believe in the blood of Jesus. I know that he saved me from sin. If you haven't done that, let's do it. Let's get that done. Yeah, that's a great first step into a life that is filled with goodness. All right, and if you need healing in any area, physical, financial, whatever it is, relationship, you know, anything, anything that you just, look, this is broken, this needs to be fixed. God wants to fix it. And we just want to invite you up to partner uh, with our prayer team. Yeah, you're going to partner with our prayer team. They're going to help you out. Okay? All right. And if you're not going to come up here and pray, you're welcome to stay in here and have personal time. You're welcome to have conversations as long as you kind of keep it quiet and be respectful. And you're absolutely required to stick around and have like some donuts or coffee or something. Like just hang out for a little bit, okay? All right, we love you guys, and we look forward to seeing you again.